All right, we're back here on the Real Deal podcast with episode number two. Today we're talking the college football playoff semifinals, which start tomorrow. We'll dive into that here shortly. But first, I just want to say thanks to everyone who listened to episode number one on the Chicago Bears-Green Bay Packers rivalry. Had a lot of fun putting it together, giving you guys some history and a prediction for it. Will that prediction happen? Who knows? But we'll find out on Sunday. Um, I'm planning to do kind of a recap show Sunday night, talking about the NFL Sunday and uh, the the schedule for the NFL playoffs that'll that we'll know Sunday night. So that'll be something to look forward to. Um, but again, thanks for thanks for listening to the first episode. If you want to subscribe to it, you may do so on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify, or if you just want to listen to it off of Facebook or Twitter, once the links are posted on there, you may do that also, whichever whichever you please to do. Um, it's New Year's Eve, a lot going on in the world right now. I know a lot of us are ready to get 2020 over with and on to a brand new year. I think there's been a lot more anticipation with this year than any other year that I can remember. Um, my family has been fortunate this year to go through the year that, as crazy it has been, we've we've been very fortunate. I know there are others that haven't, and so I just hope that we all come to a, come to a conclusion that 2020 sucked, and we're all ready for 2021. We're hoping that we can get back to a return of normalcy not only in our lives but in the sports world as well we can get back to going to sporting events not having to wear masks to sporting events and being able to just enjoy enjoy life like we could before 2020 when all the safety precautions and stuff started taking place so again happy new year hopefully 2021 is better and a lot more exciting for us than what 2020 was all right college football playoff semifinals are tomorrow the first game of the day puts alabama and notre dame together it's the one four matchup kickoff is at 3 p.m alabama opens up as a 20 point favorite we'll talk about that one here in a few minutes the second matchup the two and the three seed clemson and notre dame or excuse me clemson and ohio state they both have a nice rivalry forming with each other. Um, we'll talk about that when I dissect that matchup as well. As far as the playoff goes, there's a lot of debate, as always, with it. Should it stay at four? Should it expand? I think that there's there's a lot of justification on expanding it to eight teams. I think that you could make a case to expand it to 16 as well and just use maybe some of the other bowl games as the quarterfinals, semifinals, and then you have your finals. Um, I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect solution to it. The BCS wasn't perfect. Um, there's always going to be teams that are not included in it that feel that they should be, and I think that's that's fair on their part as far as what – UCF did a couple years ago declaring themselves as national champions. That might be pushing it a little bit because the 
American Athletic Conference does not play a SEC or even a Big Ten ACC type schedule. So there's a lot of different thoughts on it. Um, it's kind of crazy. This is the seventh year of it. Both Alabama and Clemson have been in it six times. So last year, Alabama was out of it. Clemson obviously was in. They lost in the national championship to LSU. Um, the other teams that are in Ohio State, this is their fourth appearance. And then Notre Dame, this is their second. So Notre Dame's first appearance didn't go very well. A couple years ago, they got beat pretty good to Clemson. That was the Clemson team that beat Alabama, handled them pretty well in the national championship. And so there's a lot of talk about how there's not a lot of parity with it, that you see the same four or five teams, six teams that are always in the playoff. And so that kind of goes back to the debate of, well, do we need to expand it? And, you know, like I said earlier, I, I don't know if there's a perfect solution. I think until you set a certain criteria on what it takes to make the playoff, whether it be, you know, you take your five comp, five power five champions and then take your other three, take a group of group of five champion, whatever, and then two wild card teams, so to speak, and put them in a eight-team playoff. I think eight would be the ideal number. Once you start going 16, then it's like, well, how do you how do you justify the 16th team from the 17th team? Because then you know, they weren't a conference champion and all that. So I think in a perfect world, eight would be the number. But I'm not on that committee to make that decision. It's just kind of my my own personal thought with it. Um, so diving into the first semifinal, Alabama and Notre Dame, like I said, Alabama favored by 20. Um, the last time these two teams played was the 2002 National Championship. Alabama won that thing before they even kicked off. Uh, I think it was 42-14. to 14. That was the Notre Dame team that had Manti Teo, um, the Alabama team that had A.J. McCarron, Eddie Lacy. Just, just a good, good team. And so looking at the matchup now, obviously we know the offense of ability that Alabama has. Uh, I don't know if there is... Potent is what LSU's offense was last year, but they're definitely definitely right up there, averaging just under 50 points a game. And then you have the fact that you have Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris finished all in the top five for the Heisman finalists. Um, that's I, I can never remember a team that's had three top five guys that they'll finish in the top five for the Heisman. And you have a quarterback, a running back, and a receiver. And so as far as a defensive game plan for Notre Dame, it's almost pick your poison. Do you want to focus on the ground game and try to stop Najee Harris and the backup running back, Brian Robinson? But then you're going to sit there and let Mac Jones throw to Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, and those guys, John Mechie, and... You know, I, I think for Notre Dame, your best hope is to take advantage of whatever breaks you can get from your defense. You're going to have to force a turnover. You're going to have to maybe get a special teams touchdown on a punt return, kick return, maybe a blocked punt. But to line up on defense and go right at Alabama, I don't think it's possible to stop them. Um, other teams have not been successful this year. 
the SEC is almost shifting more towards an offensive conference. If you look at Alabama's strength, it's their offense. This is one of the defenses, one of Saban's not great defenses. I mean, we saw what Florida did to him in the SEC championship. And if Alabama's offense isn't what it is, who knows how that game goes. So it's just, it's hard, it's hard for me to sit here and see Notre Dame winning this. I think the game might start out kind of close. Um, it might be a two touchdown score at halftime, 10 point game at halftime. But I think over the course of the second half, Alabama really pulls away with it. As far as Notre Dame on offense, a lot of it's going to start with their quarterback, Ian Book. Um, definitely a playmaker. I think he's going to have to make some good throws. He's going to have to run the ball. Kyron Williams, their running back, is going to have to have a good game. And like I said, this Alabama defense can give up points. Teams have scored a lot of points on them. I think even even LSU late in the game, they had a little bit of success putting up points. And so it's not the it's not the Alabama team of three or four years ago where four out of the five top or the five out of the top ten draft picks were Alabama defensive players. So the defense is definitely vulnerable, but I'm just not sure Notre Dame has the firepower offensively to be able to match what, what Alabama does. Um, one advantage that I feel Notre Dame has is on the offensive line. Notre Dame's been putting offensive linemen in the, in the NFL for several years now, and they've been some good, good quality players. Um, guys like Quentin Nelson, who plays at the Colts. You had Zach Martin, who was a Cowboy. And then there's several others that have gone on to be very ser- serviceable players from Notre Dame. And so Notre Dame's almost kind of become the pipeline for linemen. And then they do a good job with their tight ends, too. Um, the Chicago Bears drafted Cole Komet from the Notre Dame last year, who's been a productive tight end. And then the Steelers drafted Chase Claypool, who was a weapon for him, too. And they've got a couple good tight ends this year that combined have over 50 catches. And so if you can find mismatches with your tight ends, get them on the line, get them on some linebackers, and then work your receivers into that as well. Um, you'll have a chance to to put up some points against this Notre or this Alabama defense. And like I said, a lot of it comes down to the quarterback play. Um, Mac Jones for Alabama has a lot of weapons. Ian Book has weapons too, but are they on the level of what a Devontae Smith, John Mechie, Najee Harris are? And so if I had to give a prediction, um, I would say Alabama wins 47-28. Like I said, I think that the game is close in the first half, and then really in the third quarter is where you'll see Alabama start to pull away. Um, I think this is the best Notre Dame team that Brian Kelly has had, even better than the, the 2012 team. I think the offense is better. And so it's going to be interesting to see just just how much they can get out of their offense. I think if Ian Book comes out, turns the ball over, and you're basically giving Alabama the, the ball for free, then, then you're in for a long day. But if you make them earn whatever they get, and um, when, when Notre Dame's on offense, if you can run the ball, have success running the ball, 
Um, use Ian Book in the ground game as well. Control the clock. Con- consistently get four or five yards. Chunk plays here and there. Um, you're going to give yourself a chance. But if you go in and you're putting the ball on the ground, and uh, I mean Alabama's good enough the way it is, you don't need to give them give them any breaks. And so one one other key thing to watch is Alabama's starting center. All-conference All-American Landon Dickerson got hurt in the SEC championship. And so who takes his spot for Alabama? He was kind of their their leader up front. Um, It's not easy to replace a center. So they've had 10 or 11 days to to find his replacement. And a lot of times for a school like Alabama, it's just, oh, next guy up. But you never know what's going to happen when you have to when you have to put a new center in there, especially when it's playoff semifinal on the line. But just there's too much talent on this Alabama offense um, to even to even for me to consider picking Notre Dame. So like I said, my prediction, 47-28 Alabama. I think they advance on to the national championship to play the winner of the next game that we're going to talk about with Clemson and Ohio State. And these two teams have a nice little rivalry brewing with each other. Um, Last year, they played in the semifinals. There was some controversy uh, about a fumble that a Clemson receiver had. It got ruled incomplete pass that could have been a touchdown for Ohio State. Uh, 2016, Clemson beat them 31-0 in the semifinal. And so Clemson 4-0 against Ohio State in all the times that they've played. And there's been a lot of war of words between a lot. And it's it's kind of surprising because usually the players will say things. But with this instance, it's the coaches. Dabo Sweeney had Ohio State out of his top 10 at number 11 on his last coaches pool vote. You have Ryan Day in his locker room video saying he doesn't care who they play. They're going to. Uh, do some things to their ass, and so you never know. You never know what you're going to get in this situation. I think when you look at the schedule, um, Clemson's played a full season. They played Notre Dame twice. Ohio State played six games, and so fatigue might play into it. Ohio State. Almost seemed like they played a game, had a week off, played a game, had a week off. We know about the controversy with um, being allowed to play in the Big Ten Championship. And then they go and play in the Big Ten Championships. Justin Fields didn't play very well. Um, You know, they didn't have his go-to receiver, Chris Olave. So there's just a lot of factors that, that come into this that make it interesting. I think that in a, in a regular year, I think Ohio State definitely one of the four best teams um, this year. I think just because of that, you have to put them in there. The way that Oklahoma looked last night, you could have made a case for them. But like I said at the beginning, there's four teams is hard. I think eight is the best that you can go, but we don't have an eight-team playoff now, and so we've got to settle with our four. Um the X factor for, for Clemson is definitely Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think he's poised to have a big game. 
It seems like whenever there's a big game for him, he's able to run the ball. Think back to last year against uh, this Ohio State team was really the first game that he broke out as a runner. I was really surprised that they ran him that much. I didn't know he had that ability to be a dual-threat guy. And so I think if you can use him in that in that facet of the game, it gives them an extra an extra advantage. Um, Ohio State for them, you know, you've got to have Justin Fields play his absolute best, and we didn't see that with him against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. And you know, Northwestern had a chance to win that, and Northwestern didn't play very well either. But it'll be interesting to see who's back for Ohio State. They had some other guys that were out in the Big Ten Championship with the Big Ten's COVID protocol. And so if he has both Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who are his top two receivers, then they might have the firepower to, to hang with Clemson. And um, the ground game really took off for them against Northwestern. Trey Sermon, the Oklahoma transfer, rushed for over 300 yards. And then they still have Master Teague as an option as well. And so news just came out yesterday, too, about Clemson's offensive coordinator testing positive for COVID, and so he can't coach in this game. But I feel like when you get to this level, there might be a little bit of a drop-off between who's calling the plays and who's not. But for the most part, um, you're going to have a pretty good feel for what you have on offense and what you're successful with doing. So I don't think that makes too much of an advantage um, I think Clemson's defense is better than Ohio State's. Clemson's defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, has been there for many years. He's um, proven that he can come up big in big-time games. And, you know, he's gone against elite talent at quarterback before, and he's been able to, to shut him down. And so I think that the coaching advantage definitely stays on Clemson's side. I think they have better players, and ultimately, I think this year it comes down to um, who who can handle the pressure better. And I feel like Ohio State released a hype video yesterday or the day before talking about second chances and how they're so they're so hyped up on getting another chance against Clemson. And it's almost like, well, are you? Are you putting too much stock into playing Clemson again, or are you are you just you're are you spending too much time trying to get that revenge against Clemson that you're losing the your vision of the entire process of trying to win a national championship? And so sometimes when you put too much pressure on yourself just to win this one game, you almost come out there and lay a dud, and you know you don't you don't play very well. But ultimately, like I said, I think Clemson wins. I think this game does go back and forth. I think Fields does play well. Um, I think his receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, both have big games. But in the end, I think you have to go with the experience of Trevor Lawrence and Dabo Sweeney and Brent Venables and those guys that pushes them into the national championship. I have Clemson winning 38-34. Um, not sure how we get there. I don't know if you know Ohio State makes it close at the end, makes it interesting at the end. I don't know, but I just think that the experience puts Clemson in the national championship, which would give us another 
national championship matchup between Clemson and Alabama. It would be the fifth time that they have played in the playoffs. It would be the fourth time that they've played for the national championship. If you remember a couple years ago, Clemson beat Alabama 44-16 to in the national championship. That was Trevor Lawrence's freshman year, and um, that was kind of the game where they thought that Alabama's dynasty was over. But really all it did was just have Nick Saban realize that he needs to put more of an emphasis on offense, and so he goes out and gets some offensive weapons like John Mechie and Devontae Smith and a quarterback that can throw like Mac Jones. And it will be interesting to see reverting back to Alabama-Notre Dame. If Notre Dame starts getting a lot of pressure on Mac Jones, he's not real mobile. So he's not like Tua or Jalen Hurts when they were at Alabama where they could escape the pocket and make plays with their feet. Um, Mac Jones is, isn't he isn't Tom Brady back there, but he's not he's not a dual threat guy. Out of the four quarterbacks in the semifinals, he's probably the least gifted on his feet. And so the the pressure that comes will will determine that as well. But like I said, overall, I have both Alabama and Clemson winning that would set up part four for Alabama and Clemson. Whatever the outcome is, we'll have a podcast episode for that preview where we talk talk about the key issues going into that game. Like I said, we'll have another one Sunday night talking about the NFL playoffs as they get ready to go. But overall, like I said, you know, just have a happy new year. Enjoy enjoy the games on New Year's Eve or excuse me, New Year's Day. Have a safe New Year's Eve. Thank you for listening to Episode 2 of the Real Deal Podcast, and we'll look forward to reaching out to you on Sunday. Thanks.